Today on Unleashcast, I talk to CJ Gross, author, speaker, and CEO, about his new book, What's Your Zip Code Story? Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging has never taken a more prominent place in HR and business strategy. And this is a great time for CJ's book to really fly, as I'm sure it's doing, off the shelves. So, It was great to talk to CJ about his experiences of class bias in America and how businesses can acknowledge these and do better in their hiring and their strategies for equality in the future. When I was younger, uh, I grew up in in England. I didn't think uh, class really existed in America. I didn't probably have a very good idea of the the history of the country or, or what it was like growing up there. But I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, um, John, class bias or class, let's just say, um, existed um, in the United States just as it existed in in, um, England. But I think to get a little bit more specific about class and what it is, and I think that's the that's the question, you know, like what what is class? You know, like and I think we think about as social class, how stringent social social class can be. And if you're coming from a um, like England perspective where you have the crown, you know, it's very much prominent in your culture, but it's it's in every culture and some culture it's, it's more um, it's more prominent. So class is really the way the brain classifies people, places and things. And it shows up in society in different ways. Right. So when we were a hunter gatherer society we focused on the brain made sure it classified people, places and things to make sure that, you know, um, you when you went to go out and get dinner, that you didn't become dinner. And because of that, um, there was this hierarchy that there was this in group, out group. There was one group is going to survive, have more to eat, have more uh, resources and have more opportunity to to um, to develop and to grow and even offsprings. And so when you think about class and even, you know, like when I when I visited um, the UK over the summer, I wanted to know, like, so what what was royalty about? And so royalty is really about people who who had you know resources, which was land, who got together and started these rituals that made them royalty. And it just perpetuated. And it's like that in every culture. But again, some are more um, hierarchy. Um, So. To answer that question, so the United States definitely has class or social class um, um, hierarchy. Again, it's just not as formal as the the UK. Um, so you see it, you know, when people buy clothing, there are certain clothing stores that you go to that are of a certain level that you might say, oh, I'm going to get a good deal here. But I wouldn't I wouldn't purchase here because it's to, to you don't think lower class, but you, there's a value that you put on it. And again, some places it's more formalized, like in the military, there are class, there's ranking. They just call it ranking. So we do this all the time. And what my book does is it brings it into everyday awareness to become more cognizant of your um, your thinking about it and how much it affects our lives. So to build on that, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about class bias, because obviously we've established that there's class everywhere and it's kind of ascribed um, to different things and, and manifest in different ways. But how does class bias work, particularly in um, working society? Sure. 
So class bias shows up in many ways in the working society. So let's just start from education, right? So so when you have a certain type of education, um, and that's like really easy for people to kind of understand, right? So if someone said that in the States, Harvard University, there's a story that the brain creates about someone goes to Harvard, that they have a certain amount of resources, that they're smart, that they have social capital, you know, all these things that allow them to get a job easier. Right. And and although we don't want to believe it and there's like tons of research and we say don't have this uh, class bias, all these different things. But the reality is, is that this story is formed in our brains without our attention, awareness or control. Most of the time, ninety nine point nine percent of our biases we're not aware of. So in, in the UK, like so we would say uh, I have a friend that goes to uh, Cambridge and I, I was trying to sell uh, my company on the idea of uh doing this person doing a presentation. I said, well, they're doing they're doing a PhD at Cambridge. Like end of conversation, because our brains put value on that level of education and that level of that institution. And then obviously in the UK, I mean, in the States, it's like, oh, well, that person's from doing something in the UK. They must be very special. And so I, I noticed it was the different. Um, it was different when I was in the UK. People would walk up to me and say, are you from the States? And they would want to chat with me because of my accent. And I was like, well, it's opposite here. Like when you come with a, with the um, British accent, people want to talk to you because they think, you know, there's a whole uh, thinking that someone is smarter or, you know, all these ideas and stories that we have in our heads. So social class from a, from a social perspective, the bias is that we exclude people based on their how our brain is classifying them. So, for example, you might have people who are excluded from certain work opportunities. Right. So, again, looking at a resume where this person lives, and that's really what the book is about. Uh, states that we call it zip code story in America. Um, but when I'm abroad, we call it postal code because you use the postal code. But either way, it's those it's those digits that tell a story about where you live and how you grew up. And and it's not all true, but we we classify people into that. So I'm just sure of like when you met, I'm not. Are you are you married or partnered? I'm married. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure when you first met your your um, your your spouse, you asked the question, oh, where where are you from? Where do you live? Right. And initially, before they told the story of it, you had a story. Right. It's like, oh, I've had, I had a cousins there or some family members. Or, oh, I don't go to that part of town, you know. And so you automatically rank. You put a value on where that person was from until you heard the to the full story because you're married. You, you get the full story. So we do that all the time. And it's not a big deal when it doesn't affect your livelihood, your ability to get a job, your ability to move into a specific housing or location, your ability to get education, your ability to make friends and what we call social capital, which is the ability to build relationships with people so that you can progress in certain areas of your life. And so that's where social class comes in. Um, again, it's it's highly uh, evident when we when we are in relationships because people kind of rank people based on their you know, obviously looks and uh, for guys, maybe how much money they make. Did they go to school? What, what is their career? Oh, you're going to be a doctor or engineer. You know, we're always ranking people. Our brains are always putting values on people so we can decide where we where we place them. And the brain, honestly, is really trying to figure out two things. It's trying to figure out whether this person is when you first meet someone, whether you're safe physically and emotionally. Will you attack me physically or were you emotionally uh, be supportive and, you know, be uh, trustworthy. And then the other thing is, 
You know, are you that do you have value? You know, um, how smart are you? If I put you on this team, will you be able to perform? And so we're constantly classifying in that way, too. So it's all around us. So knowing that these biases exist, can we control for them? Are there things we can do, uh, not just if you're kind of a specialist or particularly knowledgeable in this area, but are there things that we can do on a daily basis um, in work, for example, or in life more generally, where we can kind of look at people on more of a level or are they just too hardwired, do you think? Well, so <laughs> there's the two there's a twofold answer to that. Um, so we can mitigate our biases. We can do something about it, but we will never not have bias because bias is a function of the brain that allows us to his humans to make decisions quickly, primarily for safety. So if we had no bias, we would be driving a car and we wouldn't acknowledge that a red light is means something to us when we're in what we call fast brain. Right. So when we're just like thinking fast, we're going, you know, those neural pathways that have been created, we're just operating in that. So we need a way to break out of that for innovation purposes, for inclusion purposes, for just overall healthy um, social, um, um, for our overall healthy culture. So there are a couple of things that we talk to our clients about um, when, as I'm, you know, speaking all, all around the world in different um, countries and different companies. The first thing that we say is to really acknowledge that you have a bias. People don't want to be biased for some reason because they think it's bad, right? It's like, John, you're biased. It's like, no, I'm not biased. But bias is not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's part of our human nature and it's a function that allows us to be safe. So number one is to acknowledge your biases. And here's the thing, John, even when they're politically incorrect. And this is the hardest thing to do when you might not have an experience with a specific group based on race or gender or ge geographical location, um, you, saying that out loud in front of, a, a, you know, even with one person may, may make you cringe because we know psychologically we want to be in the end group. Our brain is always trying to make sure that we are connected to those who are going to help us. And we don't want to be looked at as someone who is outside of the norm. So we don't want to say, hey, you know, I haven't really spent time with many women in leadership. You know, we haven't spent enough time with people who have a certain ability or disability. Um, and so therefore, we might have a thought about it. Just the other day we were talking and someone said, um, you know, people who are older don't know how to use technology. Right. <laughs> and so initially people would would not talk about that. But it, it's a it's a re it's a reality. It's a it's a real bias. Some people who are older don't do not know how to use technology. It is not the norm for everyone. But if you don't acknowledge that as a bias in the company, we're, we're not able to do anything about it. So number one is to acknowledge that this exists in the world. It's not good. It's not bad. And it's happening whether we want it to or not. And then what we do is we have techniques. We won't go through it through all of them, but just strategies on how to figure out when those biases in it are at play and when we're when we're overlooking our when we have a blind spot in our companies and organizations. So, for example, um, we may be looking at hiring and we notice that we hire people from a certain zip code or we hire people who have a certain background uh, in, in, in Canada. There are some cultures, uh, well, some some groups in, in, in places in Canada, whereas if you don't have a French last name, if you don't speak French, um, if you're not certain from a certain area, you it's very hard to get a job. Like we worked in a 
oil and gas company in um, northern uh, Canada. And that that was reality. So so it really is about being aware of the biases, um, acknowledging those biases and specifically what biases are are um, going to uh, prevent you from being a be- you know, better leader or a person. Uh, and then having the last thing I'll say, what I'll go through all of them in the most impactful is having very frank conversations about our biases and what we're willing to do about it and the ones that we're not willing to do anything about, right? Just to be honest about them. So, so that's where the book comes into play. And I, I tell stories about my background, my past experiences with um, class bias and I have a how to overcome them, but also how to navigate them and the, the ones that are not going to go anywhere. I've got one last question. So uh, Unleash are kind of our, one of the main things we talk about is HR technology. And so much of our life is kind of enabled and mediated by technology. So the, the killer question really is, in future, do you think we can ensure that tech will be built without biases? Or is that too idealistic? I mean, it's built, it's the biases of the people that build it, right? Right. So you, so you ask a brilliant question. Um, and I, I think the question is really based or the answer is based on how diverse we, we, um, make the teams that develop or write the code for technology because there's bias in, in code, right? Um, so for example, if I am writing software to do something, I'm writing it based on my experience and what I've read and what I've experienced, been exposed to. So if I'm not writing it, um, for everyone, which is hard to do, I need other people who will also support and come from different backgrounds to write code, to develop products and services, to develop AI, to develop, um, you know, digital technology. So I think there will always be bias. But I think we can mitigate it by having more diversity at the um, at the level of decision making, at the level of design for products and services, at the level of education and policies um, in the political uh, arena. So when we have more people who are different making these decisions, making products, coding, uh, developing uh, new ways of, of, of being for for technology, then we can mitigate uh, more biases than than you know, in, in past generations. <laughs> That's my answer. Yeah, thank you. Um, CJ, I really appreciate your time uh, today. Uh, What's Your Zip Code Story is available now from all good stockists. Um, well, I, I was going to say good luck with the book, but I'm sure it's doing amazingly well, you know. So, so uh, it's a great idea and it's a, a topic which is very important the world over. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for your time uh, speaking to Unleashcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Unleash Cast today. If you made it this far, then there's a very special offer just for you. That's a discount on the entry price to our upcoming show, Unleash America, taking place at Caesars Forum on April 26th, 27th, 2023. When you get to check out, type in the code POD10, that's POD10, and receive a 10% discount on the ticket price. There's amazing speakers at Unleash America this year. We've got Estee Lauder, we've got Coca-Cola, we've got McDonald's, Elliot Maisie speaking, Visa Card, a collection of some of the best thought leaders in the entire world, all coming together in one place, that's Caesars Forum for Unleash America this April. So that code again, when you go to checkout, type in POD10 to receive 10% discount on the ticket price. Don't miss out, we'll see you in Vegas.